This year, we're celebrating 20 years of Glass Tire. That means 20 years of Texas art coverage, 20 years of publishing writing from across the state, and 20 years of showing the world all Texas has to offer. Since our publication is a nonprofit, all of our work is made possible thanks to readers and listeners like you. If you'd like to help support our coverage, you can make a one-time gift or become a sustaining donor by visiting glasstar.com forward slash donate. Also, if you enjoy our podcast, please consider subscribing and leaving us a rating or a review. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's show. Hello, and welcome to this week's Art Dirt. This is the Glass Tire podcast where we talk about topical art topics. I'm William Saradet. And I'm Christopher Blay. And today we are here talking, (laughs) myself and Christopher, we're going to talk about um, your tenure as the Glass Tire news editor. A little, you know, it's bittersweet. We're elated and sorry to say that you have taken a position as the chief curator with the Houston Museum of African American Culture. I have. And yeah, it is super bittersweet. I love my job here and it affords me such a privilege to write about and uh, explore art in Texas. And it's something that I've enjoyed for the past couple of years. It will be weird to wake up in a few days and not have that at the forefront of my day. At the end of this week, I believe, um, up until August 1, you have a really busy schedule of reviewing dozens and dozens of news stories a week and getting them out to our readership. Yeah, there's a lot going on in Texas, in Texas art. Typically, the summertime is a slow time for art, but maybe that only applies to artists, galleries, and museums, and not art publications, because the pace hasn't slowed since uh, January 1st. Yeah, um, I agree. That's kind of been my talking point about the summer for the past couple years, which is that it used to be kind of a time where there's just not as much to do. Um, so you can take a break, maybe take a short vacation, a little road trip. But now, um, even the gallery scene, uh, there's still shows happening all the time. And I think that's because, uh, at least for this year, this summer, everyone's playing catch up from not really doing anything in person during COVID or, you know, doing the best to juggle both in person and online during COVID. So this little window of opportunity that everyone has to show work and see people in person is being fully taken advantage of, it seems. I guess that's kind of a soft intro to just a general question about um, the two years that you've spent doing this work, 
and kind of where it started and and where it is now um what kind of trends if any you've seen in the news that comes to our desks uh about the state of art in texas well these have been two very interesting years uh mostly the COVID, we'll call it the COVID years, um, but also uh, a period of racial reckoning and coming to grips with our inequalities in the art world, in the world in general, and making efforts to turn those things around. So the news has essentially, since I've been here, the news has been COVID, 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 give us justice, give us equality, um, COVID, COVID, COVID. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, and there's some things that I recognize. Um, you know, the awards to artists have been increasing and both in um, volume and both in uh, the amount awarded to artists. It used to be like, you know, in DFW, which is what I can speak up mostly since I practice as an artist there. Um, there's maybe the Moss Chumley Award. Um, you've got a couple of prizes from the DMA and the Nasher. The Nasher started with uh, the Nasher Micro Grant, which is now the Nasher Artist Grant or Artist Prize. And back when I got it, it was, uh, man, I think it was like a thousand bucks. Now it's like, I think it's like 2,500 bucks. Uh, and then the same thing with the uh, Moss Chumley Award, I think it was around a thousand twelve hundred bucks, and now it's, I think it's doubled. And then you have like the CAD Madre PLLC prize of five thousand dollars. You have Tally Dunn uh, Equity in the Arts. Uh, I think that's a thousand dollars to each artist. So prizes have been increasing to sort of address some of the inequalities in the art world, as well as recognizing that um, the little $250, $500 prizes <laughs> no longer cut it. So I've been writing a lot about that. You've had a really long career of art making and working also as an arts educator, even before you spent the two years you've spent with us reporting on news. Um, so you have kind of two different sides of perspective on the stories that we cover, both as being someone who applies to awards and projects such as the ones you mentioned, and then most recently as someone who writes about them and reports on them. Yeah, my art practice sort of ran smack into uh, my role as a writer and art critic pretty early on. And I think it came from the lack of real criticism that artists crave, good or bad. And the void has always been there. And I talked about this in uh, 
my final letter from the news editor, but I think there's a, a little bit of intimidation. If you're an artist, you want to focus on your practice and only that, but if there's a need in the community that's not being filled, it feels like at some point you have to step up and say, okay, uh, this might be slightly intimidating, but this void is there. And uh, <laughs> for me, I had I made the conscious effort to just find my way to it and get my sea legs and do the thing. So maybe about 10 years ago was when I first got an assignment from Ann Bothwell at Art and Seek in Dallas to write about a lecture that Piaster Gates gave at SMU. And I happened to go to both the afternoon and evening lectures and got to hang out afterwards and talk. And yeah, so the writing was essentially about that. And that was my first writing assignment. And then I started submitting stuff to the Fort Worth Weekly after they had written a couple of reviews of my own work. Yeah, so those two things sort of sustained my writing legs, if you would, for a few years. And then I got the opportunity or was encouraged to write for Glass Tire. And I had submitted a couple of reviews and, and an op-ed, which led eventually to applying for the position and working here. I think that's such useful insight for regional and statewide artists to have on um, the ways in which that your practice led into and melded with uh, a critical writing practice and how those things can coalesce throughout the course of a career, um, such as the one that you've had here in Texas. Your art practice also has moved from Fort Worth to Houston um, as a result of working here at Glass Tire. Yeah, I'm just wondering if and how Houston has kind of changed your perspective and your activity in what you do uh, in your personal practice out, outside of, of all of the Houston and Texas coverage we do? I will say that it was a big transition to move from the DFW area to Houston. DFW is where I sort of started my studio practice, uh, <laughs> launched an alter ego as if I didn't have enough things to do and uh, started writing. So the familiarity may have sort of um, turned into comfort. And so the move to Houston was both to challenge myself and embrace the opportunity to write to a larger audience in Texas and in the country. Because as you know, Texans are our only readers or subscribers so it, it it was a challenge to myself to just sort of uh, embrace that opportunity to write more and expand the audience that i was writing for and yeah as far as how it has affected my practice it has in in that i have 
sort of embrace the thing that I do both as an artist and a writer and like combine the two things. I'm working a lot with text on a daily basis, whether it's reading or writing or um, editing. And so text has been sort of at the forefront or at the front of my mind in, in everything I do every day. So when I got the opportunity to sort of like carve out time and find my way back into my studio, it was easy for me to look to text as a source in what I am making. And that's translated into a new body of work that I'll be showing in September at the big medium galleries in Austin. So it has affected, it's been a positive effect because um, I found myself embracing what I'm doing as a writer and uh, referencing it in the work that I'm making right now. And that's a solo show at Big Medium this fall. It's Correct. my first show in probably, I don't even remember the last time I showed work. Um, little skinny on the CV there. <laughs> it's also like, um, you know, I had to give writing my full attention because as yeah. you know, we're such a small staff and I'm not sure that right. people realize that. But yeah, it's all hands on deck. It's funny that you mentioned, yeah, maybe the the CV is a little is a little skinny for the <laughs> the past uh, little while, um, which is what happens when you have a professional life that keeps you busy. Um, I guess I'm just wondering, do you think about that stuff from time to time? I'm almost asking for personal interest. <laughs> um, my CV has patches and chunks that may not seem super linear or coherent if I didn't explain them. And being someone who's so multidisciplinary as you are, I would imagine you come across this scenario as well, which is that there may have been a couple of years where you didn't show because you were doing something else. Do you feel like you have to explain that to people or do you kind of just roll with it? Mm, I don't feel like I have to explain it to people. If anything, it's my own sort of drive uh, to be completely immersed in the thing that I've decided is going to be a big chunk of my life, which is art. And yeah, what started as sort of a uh, pressure release valve uh, creating an alter ego to explore aspects of art practice that weren't necessarily part of my my daily studio practice, uh, then led into just sort of expanding ideas and um, getting a job as a curator at a community college and working that for the you know the previous ten years to glass tire and just just sort of expanding and writing. Um, so when I say that my CV was sort of thin in the uh, art exhibition section, it's not to say I wasn't doing anything. Uh, if I wasn't working in my studio, I was making some really uh, goofy, Frank Art Smarter thing 
which was my alter ego's way of just sort of uh, having some kind of uh, institutional critique related to the art world. And if I wasn't doing that, I was writing art reviews. And if I was doing that, I was doing my full-time day job of curating for the college gallery. So I feel like um, maybe that, that's been my strategy of being fully engaged by doing um, some things more and less depending on uh, my priorities at the time. Brandon brought up your experience of putting on shows with Art Corridor, and I thought maybe that might be a nice little trip down memory lane that people would want to hear about if you have anything to say about it. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, before the Art Corridor, I was working at a newspaper in Fort Worth, the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, as an assistant photo editor. Um, I got that job after college, and I sort of landed into in the newspaper world right at the time that <laughs> newspapers were shrinking dramatically. So my job kind of shrank along with the newspaper industry, and I was sort of uh, listless. And and then my friend Devin Nolan, who ran the art gallery before me, uh, was leaving to go to grad school and recommended me for the position. And uh, so when I started, it was sort of already a, a practice that artists ran that gallery and it became a, just a really great opportunity. I had a lot of autonomy and it was such a, the, the space required a lot of creativity because it was literally a corridor and uh, there was like a little uh, sort of cubby that could hold like a, a more focused exhibition. So uh, trying to show sculpture <laughs> in a corridor or trying to hang large works um, was always a challenge, but it was it was so much fun. And I got to work with a lot of Texas artists, some uh, DFW artists, but um, artists from other parts of Texas. And yeah, it was it was great. I I really sort of like honed down my curatorial practice and just sort of like faced the and my budget was super tiny uh it's a miracle that i got any artist to, <laughs> to work with me so it was great it was it's kind of the uh yeah i would wish that every curator had that experience of trying to put works in a corridor where students are walking by every day um, and challenging them with um, like conceptual work and challenging them with um, engaging with and understanding art in a, in a way that's different than sort of walking into a museum or a gallery. Where, where was that located again? Uh, it was in Arlington, Texas. The college has five locations 
in all the directions around DFW. And so the location I worked at was the Southeast campus. And that's where all, <laughs> that's where all the magic happened. I agree. I like that sort of, um, the constraints you listed are considerable, but I don't know. I think it could be, it can be useful for a young curator to experience working in that capacity. Uh, it, it really flexes your muscles for moving on to bigger and hopefully more budgeted projects, <laughs> I should say. Yeah. And it's also like, um, my art practice has always been defined by, uh, you know, starting out my my budget for materials and supplies as an installation artist was not really great. So a lot of um, sort of uh, putting together things with uh, the materials available. And I feel that that also informed my practice as a curator, just sort of working with what you have to create the things that, that need to happen. While we still have some time with you, I, I wonder if there's any projects, things that you've developed during your time with Glass Tire that you want to reflect on or, or even just point out that you had a hand in. Um, it's not always clear since as you mentioned, glass tire is an all hands on deck operation. Sometimes it's a mix of people. Sometimes it's it's uh, one or two people that contribute to something. But I just I'm thinking of Artbox specifically that we're rolling out soon. Yeah, and it it was our colleague Jennifer Battaglia that sort of originated that idea, and she was um, gracious enough to. Um, asked me to participate in just sort of like creating the initial video for the project. But um, the idea is really great, sending artists a box of things that they've never seen before and <laughs> having them make something. I think that's, yeah, as an artist, I I couldn't be happier to... Uh, receive a box like that and try and figure out like MacGyver a work of art out of a box of rando objects. I I regret that I won't be here when it launches. And then the artist on artist interviews was something that uh, was part of a brainstorm session when we had one of our annual uh, powwows about what we're going to do in the year ahead. And so it was really special for me to launch that. And I've had such an incredible experience interviewing artists and just, I mean, just talking about pretty much anything that they want to talk about and um, just uh, learning about their works for some of them, like Kingsley, Onyewu, who I last interviewed, that was a really great conversation with a young artist that, yeah, is just typical of how these conversations can go into crazy places. You've done a lot of those and, you know, they'll be up uh, even even after uh, you move on to greener, brighter pastures. So um, we'll link a couple in the 
in the description of this post, I felt like that was, if my timeline serves me correctly, that seemed like that was also maybe not a product of the pandemic, but it kind of fell in line with that. Um, when we were all stuck at home, you were interviewing artists. Yeah, and but it also um, is a testament to Glass Tire's legacy of innovating and expanding in, I mean, it, <laughs> the publication started in the era of 9-11, you know, like uh, the early internet when getting images on the website or, you know, doing anything online was either scoffed at because newspapers are never going to die and what is the internet? <laughs> so I, I think that spirit of innovation has continued as the magazine has expanded and, you know, meeting the challenge of museums and galleries and artists shutting down for two years um, sounded daunting, but I, I really believe that we sort of leaned in and got even more productive. Um, our uh, five minute tours that also came out of our brainstorm session mm-hmm. um, has, in my opinion, like fueled uh, other organizations drive towards creating maybe not five minute tours they're not calling it that but (laughs) people are making video tours and maybe it was inevitable but i feel like we were sort of innovators in that uh drive to get something out during the lockdown and then of course yeah artists on artists and um but we also continue to do reviews of shows that were only available online and when things you know started getting really um like during the protest during the george floyd uh, after the death of george floyd the killing of george floyd um there were a lot of uh responses from museums and galleries that seemed sort of, uh, I don't know, it, it, it seemed like a long time coming and it seemed like just sort of, uh, you know, maybe a light coating of uh, this desire to make things right or to show solidarity. But um, I think we covered those things pretty honestly. And uh, I think the the reporting that I did on some things um, and the stories that we covered reflected things that we were already doing. And some of it, like every other institution, we got criticized for, but I think we also have been doing this shit for a minute and uh, will continue to do so. So I'm really proud of being a part of um, trying to be a socially responsible magazine and trying to just sort of um, be honest with artists and institutions and just a source of some badass writing. We have some great writers 
who regularly write for Glass Tire, and I think that will definitely continue. And I'm looking forward to like what comes next for the magazine. We're grateful to have had you on board this whole time, and we're happy to see you to move on to succeed in future projects and you're going to do great work uh continuing on in houston well yeah Um, i'm really excited about i'm (laughs) i'm not moving to another city thankfully trying to figure out houston and meet everybody and learn about the great traditions of art in houston so it's yeah, it's moving from one great opportunity to one great opportunity. And that opportunity includes um, just sort of working with artists and their ideas and playing a part in getting that to both the Houston community and the, the country. And with that, um, we thank you for your time, Christopher. We thank you for your work. And most of all, we thank you for your art. Um, we're gonna, we'll see you around. Absolutely, we'll get, we'll get the press releases from HMAC. <laughs> yeah, I will be sending you all the press releases, and I am <laughs> looking forward to a great working relationship. Well, I'm gonna go see some art this weekend. I imagine you're gonna be making some art this weekend. I'm going to art. I'm writing about art. I'm putting art together. Well, thanks again. And uh, everyone out there, go see some art. Go see some art. This podcast was recorded by Glass Tire and edited by William Saradet. Copyright Glass Tire 2021.